know what, Matt? I think I'm going to put it out there now. I think Rachel Priest will be in the top five run scorers for WBBL 07. Oh, there you go. Oh wow, that is a bold prediction from RB McKinlay. Well, it, it, she'll be like she'll be like these Webbers. They're a great sponsor of competition. She will be on on heat all competition. <laughs> she'll be firing. There you go, Matt. So that's, oh. that's that's Robbie's tip ahead of the competition. Rachel Priest to dominate like not like never before. It's her best ever score on the WBBL. Does she bring up the hundred with a six? She does. Captain Fantastic Rachel Priest. It is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me, our expert, and I can say that word with conviction, our expert special guest. Well, you're special every day, Robbie, but particularly after the gold you delivered last week on the Cricket Library Weekly, you were spot on. Welcome back. Great to have you for that for our third edition of the summer. Hey, welcome back, Maddie, and welcome back to all our loyal listeners. Yes, I know what you're referring to. I did make a bit of a bold statement about Rachel Priest and my thoughts that she would probably have a pretty sensational year, and I beat my chest very quickly <laughs> with Rachel Priest making 107 not out yesterday. Fantastic stuff. Ten fours and seven sixes. Um, of course, uh, you have a special place at the Cricket Library Weekly, a, a guest from last year's season. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, well done to Christy. She's a real character. We're, we're big fans. So, and well done to Kane. They got the they got the points. And when we know Matt down at the Orange Library, a big Rachel Priest fan as well. And uh, you know, last week, Robbie, I have to be honest. When you were saying that you thought Rachel Priest would be in the top five run scorers in the WBBL, deep yeah. deep down. I thought that was a Robbie McKinlay heart prediction, not a head prediction. Yeah. But even oh, no. if, even if it was a heart prediction, it's proven to be very spot on as we would expect. Now, what a what a start to the WBBL, Robbie! Hasn't it been entertaining cricket? Really good to see a super over on the weekend. Oh. And and what I love about this competition so far. Teams who have played each other twice are one and one. Yeah, a great start. And well done, too. Um, Tassie are doing it well. They've, they had some challenges with the weather yes. early on, but they've got there. We haven't lost the game at the moment, which is fantastic. And um, I've, I've enjoyed the cricket. Look, I, I just find the, the, the WBBL is such an enthralling competition. And we're seeing a lot of new competitors in it. But I'll tell you one thing we have seen, Matt. And she maintains the momentum and the form um, from the multi-format series. Carly McGrath, another oh. man of the so another player of the match performance today. Uh, another fifty or thirty-nine balls. Goodness me! And just keep an eye on a lady who is eligible to play or wants to be become eligible. I'm not sure when that eligibility happens, but Kim Garth yes. has had another fantastic game as well. So. Uh, former Irish international, but uh, moved out, moved over to Australia these days. Now, and a few handy runs with the bat. Could she be, you know, a bit of a dark horse to get a, a, a spot in one of the Ashes games? Yeah, absolutely, Robbie. Lots of lots of talk around Kim Garth, and uh, 
disappointing start for the Sydney Thunder. I don't want to dwell on this too much. Uh, probably mm. more want to give credit to the strikers. Haven't haven't they started magnificently well? And Fraser Middleton, one of our loyal listeners, he's a Hurricanes fan. And when they lost their first two games, he he, I could sense some unsettledness on 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 social yep. social media. And so I thought, let's let's contact Orange and the Cricket Library there and let's get some data. Let's see if we can sort uh-huh. of just make make our way and, and, and get a bit of clarity around how the hurricanes are tracking. Now, this is a heading on the page that I've got that's come through on the fax machine here. The heading says, Batting Woes. Whoa. So it's not it's not a very promising uh, uh, heading for our, our stat sheet here, um, and these are all handwritten notes, by the way. I, I should add this as well. We we like to do things the old fashioned way. Uh, WBBL one, the average run score was one hundred and twenty six. The Hurricanes yeah. average score one hundred and twelve. WBBL two. WBBL2, average score, 129. Hurricanes, 123. So there's six under par there. In WBBL3, average score, 133. Hurricanes average score, 114. Yeah, well under. Then the next year, 146 to 145. So they're getting pretty close there. Then 146 to 134. And then last, last season, the average was 122. And the Hurricanes average 106. So once we crunch all the numbers together over the entire WBBL prior to this season, average score, 133. Hurricanes average score, 122. Just with a little side note and asterisk here, that the first 16 games in WBBL 6 saw eight no results and four Duckworth-Lewis system games. Hence the 122 average uh, the, that's the mm. lowest average uh, of the tournament so far. So the Hurricanes WBBL have only come within 10 runs of the average score twice out, yep. of, out of those seasons. And, and on average, they're 11 runs below the average score in WBBL history. So they are going to need to recapture some of the form they had back in the early days they started WBBL01 with six wins and one loss in their first in their first seven yeah. games, Robbie. Uh, well, yeah, hang I, a minute. Yeah, Has, do, do those stats include um, yesterday's run? <laughs> we need Four. to we need to alter yesterday's. We need to alter uh, the stats based on yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Well, while you're throwing numbers around with gay abandon, I'll yeah. give you a. I'll give you a number. Oh. Four for one hundred and fifty-two. Thank you very much. Cop. And bowled the stars out for eighty-nine. Cop that. That's that's that? what we're that's what we're talking about. So, do you think Matt, there's a chance? Could we have a similar incident that happened with the the secret notes under the door? Is there any chance <laughs> that these notes out of the Orange Library have found their way to Blunston Arena and maybe been? Put under the door of the Rachel Priest, someone said, "Have a look at these stats," and they've come out and answered with a sixty-three run victory yesterday. I think they might have, Robbie. I, I, can I just can I just go a little further here? Um, 
After the first seven games of the season, so the halfway point, the Hurricanes have only had more wins than losses once. And that was yeah, WBBLO yep. one, that that six and one. When they've been ahead or level on wins and losses after seven games, they have made the semis. Other seasons they have finished last or second last. So our our librarian yep. is drawing a link and, and how critical those first seven games of the season are. And then when they have made it to the semis, their batting woes have continued. Yeah. After only making eighty six and sixty six in their games in in those mm. situations. And and some interesting data as well, Robbie. Um God, yeah, loaded up tonight. Yeah, win win percentages in WBBL history. So from, from start to finish, who do you think has the highest win percentage in, in WBBL history? I would have thought be out of the heat or the sixes. Yeah. That's that's why you're on the program, Robbie. You, your opinions okay. your opinions are backed by data. Uh, sixes, so sixes yeah. 62.2%. Uh, heat, 59.6%. Then the Thunder, a third, 58.8%. Uh-huh. No surprise there, two-time winners. Uh, Two-time <laughs> Scorchers, 52.2%. Strikers, 47%. Stars, 42.7%. Renegades, 42.1%. And unfortunately, the Hurricanes, 31.7%. But with that win, that, that win yesterday, that puts them above 31.7 for win-loss this season. Matt, if that last five minutes of that statistical information has been meant to warm the heart of Fraser, I don't <laughs> think you've... I, the cockles aren't very warm because that was pretty damning. But that's why I try to get the positivity around Rachel Priest's performance yesterday to, to boost it. Well, you're only as good as your most recent performance. I like that. And, yeah, and that's, and, that's very true. That and, goes for us as well. And yeah, this might be our last performance. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, we both agree. I, and I I know you talked up the Hurricanes last week on the program, Robbie. They lost their first couple of games this season, but I I'm fairly confident that we have not seen the last of the Kane train. And I would say I'm going to go out on the I record agree. here. I'm going to say the Kane train will be steaming ahead in the coming weeks and will be a threat in, in this, this year's WBBL competition. So I'm saying that data is historical data and this season is a new season for the, for the Hurricanes yeah, yeah. and let's see them get back in business. Hey, how about a haiku poem? We, we, um, we've got a very big segment coming up, Robbie, and I know you're probably extremely nervous. Coming up later on the program, we have the world premiere of the all-new game show, Fact or Fiction, with our friend Matt Fiction. And let's let's warm things up. Do you need? Do you need? I'm the guinea pig. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how I dodged that bullet. Like I, I um, I just have been ignored. I've not been able to take. Any calls uh, from Matt Fiction this week, uh, unfortunately, and so I missed out. So I'm just saying I missed out. Well, I was hoping to get a call, Matt, for a bit of a heads up, but he has <laughs> given me absolutely cricket. There's nothing. So I am, I'm nervous that, yeah, but I'm looking forward to the episode. Let's see how it rolls. Yeah, well, let's do a haiku palm. We'll come back, talk some, uh, let's talk some Marsh Cup and some Sheffield yep. Shield, and then, um, 
then maybe have a little bit of a look at the World Cup and then and let's let's build this up a little bit more. Let's build up fact or fiction and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. So quick high coupon, then we'll talk. Sheffield Shield, Marsh Cup, Men's T20. You're tuned in to the Cricket Library Weekly with Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay. Priest pounds a hundred. Bowlers quaking in their boots. Leading from the front. She has indeed been leading from the front, Robbie McKinlay, Rachel Priest. Uh, what a what a player, what a knock, and what a haiku poem from our resident cricket librarian, Matt Fiction. He's done it once again, Robbie. Fantastic. Actually, speaking of haiku poems, Matt, as you know, I, like, I love to listen to my um, sports radio, and I was listening to a very popular station in Melbourne uh, yeah. a couple of days ago um, in the mid-morning uh, uh, session, and they were doing haiku poems on that. There you go. No, so they weren't. Surely not. They were. They were. Yes, the great Jared Waitley. <laughs> he was. He was getting haiku poems from the listeners. So there you go. Catching on did, that. Did Matt Fiction ring in or not? I I was waiting to hear it. No, I, I, he obviously wasn't listening in because he would have been calling in very quickly. He's got a plethora of options to to call out, as we've just heard one. Then. Well, can I reveal an exclusive here? Hmm. Matt Fiction and myself, this, sound, this is going to sound funny that we're actually working together and on the same page, so to speak, but we have a book that is coming out in December. Well, the, the e-version will be coming out in December yep. and uh, it is jam-packed with cricket-themed haiku poems. I can, I, that's all I can say about it. There's, there's a fair bit of other stuff in there as well, but... Keep, keep your eye out for that uh, in December. Matt Fiction and I rolling out some high-quality haiku poems. Well, Matt Fiction's writing the haiku poems for the book and I'm writing the other part of the book. But um, it's nearly finished and nearly ready to go. So, How good's that? Yeah, we, we did a little social media release of the cover during the week on, on the Instagram channel. So anyway, we digress. We're talking... Sheffield Shield and the Tigers, the Tassie Tigers. Is this the Tasmanian Cricket Weekly, Robbie? We've been talking about the Hurricanes, <laughs> the Tassie Tigers. They've won by three wickets in the Shield game over there at the Wacker Ground in Perth. And what a performance to come away with the victory in this one, Robbie. WA batting first, 238. Josh Phillippe, 60. Top scoring for the home side, PM Siddle, a couple of wickets, Gabe Bell, a couple of wickets. And someone who has been asked about in the mailbag, without wanting to give too much away in the mailbag this week, Lawrence Neal-Smith. Five for 43, Robbie. Incredible performance with the ball and, uh, yeah, really putting, putting Tassie on the map, so to speak. And then he, and then he scored 60 with the bat. Incredible, wasn't it? And he, well, he did. He didn't have to bat in the second innings, which was good. But yeah, it's just an, another name. I, I, I must admit, he, he, it's smack under the radar a bit for me. But um, I love a hyphenated name. Oh, me too. It always adds a bit. 
adds a bit of intrigue there, Matt. So, um, but yeah, a good good game of cricket, wasn't it? At uh, that one at the Wacker, I love seeing cricket back play at the Wacker, Matty. I'm like a lot of cricket lovers. Anytime you see games where the scores are between sort of two thirty to two sixty mm. in either inning, you get a really good game of cricket, and that's that's what this what's played out here, you know. West Australia bowled out to 238. Tassie make 252. West Australia make 230. And Tassie get there with three wickets in hand, you know, with a few little shaky moments. But uh, all in all, um, yeah, a, a great result, Matt, for the Tasmanian cricket. They're on a bit of a roll. Talking about other good result too. I believe this time next week, fingers crossed, we will have New South Wales and Victoria would have completed their first day of the first part of the season. So yes. Sheffield Shield. Uh, scheduled for Dremoyne Oval, 27th October. How good is that? That's such a relief. That is a massive relief, and uh, I'm really, really excited for that. Dremoyne Oval, a wonderful venue in Sydney, and I'd I'd say cricket.com will be flooded with people listening to the expert comments on that one. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Um, Also, Robbie, the Marsh Cup, Tassie v... WA now WA have something of a fortress over there at the Wacker Ground in Perth in domestic one day cricket and I think people were just expecting that to stay the same uh, in 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 that game over there what were your feelings going into that game how, how were you feeling about uh, seeing some Marsh Cup back at the Wacker, and were you surprised by the outcome? Yeah, I, I, I think, Matt, uh, you, you always, when, when WA play at home, you always expect, you know, that they're going to go and regain favourites. But once again, we saw one of those matches where the scoring was a little bit light on. You know, t- WA only made 218. But it took a, a good innings from um, former New South Wales uh, Penrith boy, Jordan Silk, 90 not out. Now, Jordan Stilks made a very good start to the season and he in has, all forms yeah. of cricket. Um, we know he's a brilliant fielder. He's probably the best fielder in Australia. Um, you know, he can just keep doing what he's doing. At some point in time, he's going to come in under notice a little bit closer, perhaps for um, higher honours. Yeah, he, he's a, a sensational fielder and his batting just looks like it's progressively getting bat- better over the years. Yep. and. Uh, just seems to be a lot more comfortable with his own game. Uh, just looks very composed at the crease and delivered the goods. Ashton Turner did a great job as well. The WA were in, in big trouble in this game. Uh, I think they were seven for 80-odd at one stage. And yeah. Andrew Ty and Ashton Turner sort of resurrected things. Well, One of the other things I loved about this game is Kerry O'Keefe in commentary. Kerry O'Keefe commentating Australian domestic cricket is just worth being tuned in for in and of itself. Uh, Love his expert insights in the game. He just knows the game so well, Kerry, and uh, wonderful, wonderful to hear him broadcasting that one. Um, The other other talking point, I I was going to gloss over the the Shield game, Queensland uh, v SA, mainly because Bryce Street, didn't feature heavily in the run scoring column, but I think we owe it to our listeners to give a balanced, a balanced view. So, uh, 
we'll have a look at that game, Robbie. Should we have a look at that game? The the drawn Why game. Not? Drawn game in the end, uh, but some really promising signs uh, in this one. Uh, Queensland all out 152 in their first innings. Four wickets for Daniel Worrell, uh, the best of the bowlers. Brendan Doggett picked up three wickets as well. Uh, J.A. Burns, 48 at the top, and our man Bryce Street, 22, the two top scorers for Queensland. South Australia piled on 280. Harry Nielsen, 70-odd. But seven wickets for 44. Mark Steckety. Yeah. That was impressive. Seven for 44, just ripped through them. Uh, then, Then we had... The UT Kawaja JJ Pearson show. Now, Jimmy Pearson. Oh. We, we, we have showered praise on Jimmy Pearson progressively uh, all, all through last summer. Uh, we really rate him as a wicketkeeper batsman and as a leader as well. Like, I, I really think he's yep. got strong leadership credentials, Jimmy Pearson. Uh, but great to see Usman in the runs. Great to see Jimmy Pearson in the runs. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of talk around Usman Kawaja uh, for the summer ahead. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep churning out those kind of scores in the Sheffield Shield. Well, Matt, the thing about Jimmy Pearson is, I think we were making comments last year, the noise out of the Cricket Library Weekly started with his fantastic BBL form where he was really single-handedly keeping Brisbane Heat in the competition um, with some match-winning innings. His keeping was excellent. Now, coming out, now in the red ball form, he's made 132 off 155 balls, going along with a really nice clip. You know, he he has got to be in contention, Matt. He's, I, we, we are well off to keep the batters at the moment. Yeah. But um, I like this gritty, tough Queenslander, Matt. He, he's the sort of guy, I don't think he, he, you're never going to be let down by Jimmy Pearson. He's a ripper. Yeah, absolutely, Robbie. A, a really... Well, there's a really good crop of, of wicketkeeper batters in Australia at the moment. Obviously, TD Payne will hold hold that spot um, until he until he comes to the end of his his playing time for Australia. A wonderful leader of Australian cricket at the moment, TD Payne, and and certainly we're not suggesting that it's time time for TD Payne to move on. We're more just highlighting the credentials of some of the the players for when that time comes. We're we're in very good. We're in a very good place in Australian cricket for wicketkeeper batters. Now, Robbie, the World Cup. Yes. This, this has just crept up. The T20 World Cup. Uh, Australia, actually, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. It's about 9.31pm. So, um, score right now, Robbie. Australia 3 for 20 in a warm-up game Ooh. against India. And Mitch Marsh on his birthday, and I only know it's his birthday today because uh, in my household, it's been mentioned a few times that Mitch Marsh's birthday is coming up, and so it, it's his birthday today. But he was out for a first baller on his oh. birthday, so uh, not a good sign there. But uh, some promising signs, I think, uh, for Australia in, in this T Twenty World Cup. Robbie, how, how do you see things shaping up for us over there? And what is? I guess we'll start with that, but then also really keen to hear on some of your thoughts on some of the some of the new teams we're seeing in this World Cup so far as well. Oh, look, Matt, that's taken a lot of my attention. I've been really enjoying, especially the earlier game that comes on around at 9 p.m. Um, and one that's really caught my eye is two of the sides, uh, Papua New Guinea and Scotland. Now, the Papua New Guineans 
side. I think it's the captain, uh, Vala, mm. and Amini, who both batted really well in their first game. If you go back, Matt, I think you got to go back to 2010. The Australian Country Cricket Championships were played in Albury, mm. my home city. Yeah, yeah. And those two players I just mentioned, Amini and Vala, they represented East Asia Pacific. Oh, wow. Um, at, that, at that tournament. They're both experienced campaigners. Now, the other one, the opening batsman for Scotland. Oh, George here we Munty. go. Here we go. George, George Munsey, six years ago, he played at Cootamundra. Now, what's Cootamundra famous for, Matt? Uh, that would be the place where the bus would stop on the trip from Sydney to Mildura. And, yeah. um, oh, now, I used to do something when I was there. Oh, that's Captain right. Wolf. Yeah, the captain's walk. I do the I do a leisurely stroll around the captain's walk and um, spend a bit of quiet time at um, the birthplace of Sir Donald George Bradman. Thank you. That's what that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you didn't take the, 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 the long trip to Mildura without going the, the long uh, way. Now, <laughs> let's, let's get back. So six years ago down there, um, in January, the Coonamundra... Town. They host a seven-a-side carnival at Albert Park, beautiful ground at Albert Park, ticket fence for lots. And George Munsey, who was playing cricket mm. um, in a, in the ACT at the time for North Canberra Gungala, yeah, he played in a side called the Dilly Jacks, and they won that seven-a-side competition. Um, yeah, and George Munsey, he really started in that. He made fifty-nine not out of eighteen balls, two sixes and six fours. Oh, uh, wow. They beat the Cootamundra Bulldogs in the final. So, yeah, but that was that was George Munsey uh, six years ago doing his stuff in Albert Park in Cootamundra. Now he's now he's opened the batting for Scotland, and they look like they're going to qualify um, to play against the uh, leading the top other nations in world cricket. Yeah, and I, I dare say one of our loyal listeners, uh, Fiona from the Central Coast, would be loving that news as well. She she'd be um, cheering on Scotland for sure. And and what about the double hat trick, Curtis oh. Camphor? <laughs> now uh, it reminded me when when I was in primary school. Uh, you know how some things in primary school stick in your memory. Um, I must have only been in year year three at school. Was when I actually discovered that a double hat trick was four wickets in four balls. Yeah, and how I oh, actually. No, you- how how I actually know that is from a school assembly where someone in the Taramara Primary School cricket team had taken a hat-trick and, and Mr. Hamilton, who was the coach of the cricket team, said, now, boys and girls, who, uh, ha- who can tell me how many wickets uh, he would need to get to get a double hat-trick? And lots of hands going up and people saying six. And he's like... No, to get a double yeah. hat trick, you only need four wickets in four balls. Only, only need four wickets in four balls. But Ireland's Curtis Camp has done it. What, what a, what, what, what a magnificent achievement! Uh, you'll never get that relief. Um, and winning side too, which is important. Yeah, the, and the head, the headline writers are loving it. Um, the old uh, happy camper headlines um get, getting a bit of getting a bit of mileage out there from the from the news outlets and rightly so i say <laughs> i say to that as well and and i'm appropriate but the uh, chief zayed cricket stadium abu dhabi uh whoever thought i bet in i bet 
a young man from Ireland, never thought he'd probably get a double hat-trick at the Sheikh Zayed Cricket Stadium in Abu Dhabi. Incredible oh. stuff, isn't it? Un- unbelievable, Robbie. Unbelievable. So, yeah, that, that's going to mean – is it going to mean we're going to have some late nights, you and I, Robbie, yep. doing oh, yeah. doing some research for the library? I, I dare <laughs> say – I dare say we'll need to do it to be able to accu- accurately provide comments for well, the for the Matt, weekly. I'll tell you what, with the amount of work and information and data that Matt from the Orange Library is coming up with, I just wonder if, if there will come a point where a few of us might become redundant from librarian work. Well, speaking of redundant, um, you might be redundant in a minute, Robbie. We're gonna we're gonna hear this world premiere oh. of this new segment and. Oh. Good, good luck, mate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I hope it goes well. Now, um, did you want to say goodbye to the listeners in case you're not coming back to to wrap up the show? Are you confident you you'll get through this? Matt Fiction and I actually have a, 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 quite a steady relationship. I think. Yeah, I yeah. think I think you do. I do. You want to, I secretly think Matt Fiction is a massive fan of RB yeah. McKinley. So I. And- he might be a bit. He might be the nervous one. I'll tell you what. I get the feeling that Matt Fiction wouldn't mind hosting the Cricket Library Weekly with RB McKinley. Watch your back. I, I laugh, but yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, Robbie. Well, let's mm. let's let's do that. Let's have a little break, and then the world premiere. This is huge. This is. This is big time. I'm really looking forward to this. I can't wait. Let's let's get to that right now. Hi, this is Renee Farrell, and you are listening to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie McKinlay and Matty Ellis. Hey, everybody. Matt Fiction here with a world premiere exclusive airing of a brand new quiz show, Fact or Fiction! One minute of absolute madness as I ask rapid fire true and false questions and our contestant has to decipher and determine if the statement I make is a fact or is it fiction? Let's see how we go. It's time to play the game! And joining us for the very first worldwide exclusive edition, exclusive to the Cricket Library Weekly, one of the co-hosts. I can't believe this is a massive coup for fact or fiction, Robbie McKinley. Fiction. Did I get that right? (laughs) No, no, that wasn't a question. Matt, Matt, fiction. How good is this? Yeah, are you ready to play? I'm going to get on with it, Matt Fiction. I know you've got plenty to do in the library, so let's go. I'm a busy man, Robbie, so let's get on with it. Without any further ado, without any more fussing around, here come the questions. You've got one minute and we're underway. B.E. Street's highest first class score is 143. Fiction. That is fact. R.H. Priest holds the record for the highest score by a wicketkeeper in a women's ODI. Fact. Correct. Alan Border's middle name is Ronald. Fiction. Correct. Elise Perry was born in Warunga. 
fact. Correct. Richie Benno scored 2,202 test match runs. Fiction. Correct. Meg Lanning <laughs> went to primary school in Warunga. Fiction. Correct. Don Bradman has hit more sixes in test cricket than MJ Ellis has in club cricket. Fiction. Oh, we're out of time. We're out of time. Let me just check with the producers. Just in time. Just in time. He's got it correct, folks. Robbie McKinlay, what a magnificent performance. We flew through those questions like we were running with a gale force wind right behind us, Robbie. How do you feel? I thought it felt like 30 seconds, Matt, fiction. You didn't, you didn't pinch a few off me, did you? I don't think so. I wouldn't do that. I'm a very respected person in the <laughs> in the world of cricket librarians. I know. I know. Always trust the librarian. Yeah. No. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be your guinea pig. Um, I, I got a bit nervous. Oh, so did I. Talking to Robbie McKinlay. My oh. goodness. I'm used to talking well, to people that have returned their books on time, not people like you. My goodness. Well. Well, hey, I must admit, thank you for the Alan Border question because um, I'm not sure if you're aware, Matt Fiction, that I called my um, son, Andrew, his middle name is Border. So he's Andrew Border McKinley. So I oh knew darn well that. So I know a fair bit about Alan Border. And he, his middle name is Robert, which is my first name, and not Ronald. So thanks for that one. <laughs> Ronald McDonald. My word. Anyway, time for us to go. I know they've only given me a very small budget. I get paid by the minute, not by the hour. Time for me to go. If you'd like to be a guest on Fact or Fiction, get in touch with the other guys, not me. I don't give out my details on the internet. That'd be crazy. (laughs) Bye for now. Oh, my goodness, Robbie. The ratings are going to be through the roof. What a segment. I was a bit dark. I was a little bit starstruck there with fiction. He, he, he just caught me on the hop a bit. I got away. I reckon I lost the wicket first over there, but then finished off okay. But I, I don't think that's. Um, I think the bar's a bit low. We'll see higher scores than that, Matt. And I love it how how fiction just throws us under the bus. He doesn't give out his personal details on this program. He leaves that for no, us I to love do. That. Yeah. So if you want to be a contestant on the show. Uh, and I'm sure we've got prizes in the prize cupboard. Um, there's some exciting news coming on Cricket Library merchandise that I can't say too much about yet, but uh, I think I think we've got some good prizes in, in the cupboard. And get in touch. Get in touch via the socials. This is one where you can just get in touch with us via the socials. Let us know you want to be a part of fact or fiction. Uh, then... We'll get your details and we'll get Matt Fiction to give you a call uh, and yep. he, he will fire those questions out. And I wonder, Robbie, I wonder if there's any cricketers out there, maybe WBBL, BBL, test match cricketers, uh, administrators, who'd be willing to put themselves on the line. Cricket librarians. Cricket librarians. So Commentators, anything. Yeah, get in touch. Uh, we. We would love to have you on Fact or Fiction, and I know that would really make Matt Fiction's day. Now, Robbie, the mailbag has come in, again from New Zealand and again from Elliot. 
Elliot, very loyal listener. His question is around Lawrence Neal Smith. Now, we talked about Lawrence Neal Smith winning player yeah. of the match in that Shield game. This, this came through before that Shield game. And the question was very straightforward and simple. And it says, Lawrence Neal Smith, question mark, question mark. Is he an all-rounder, question mark, question mark? Mm. And that is a very good question because I, I wasn't sure. Uh, he's on the books at the Sixers, or he has been on the books at the Sixers at some stage. On his debut, he batted at number 10 for Tasmania. So he was originally yeah. selected as a bowler. He's born in Sydney, though, I might add, as well. Um, but when Another he, one. When he batted at 10, now there could be a Venn diagram coming here. I, I batted at number 10 on debut for North Sydney. And I made, I made 30 not out, but Lawrence Neal Smith, he made 39 not out off 150 balls. I reckon I would have faced about 150 balls for my 30 as well, actually, uh, now, that, now, now that I think about it. Now, we say we love hyphenated names. I love the name Lawrence. I think it's a great name, Lawrence Neal Smith. So... Um, Born at the RPA Hospital in Camperdown. Let's have a look at his numbers uh, from the ever-reliable Crick Info website. Yeah. Eight matches, 11 innings, four not out, 274 runs, high score 71 not out, average 39.14. That's – I'm pretty comfortable with those numbers yeah. for, a, for a bowling all-rounder. Uh, two half centuries to his name. In first-class bowling, 21 wickets at 32.38, best of five for 43. He's already notched up two Sheffield Shield half-centuries this summer. Yeah. So I think there are some signs here that he, he could actually be an all-rounder in the making. He, he, was, he was subbed out with concussion in, in this game recently as well, Robbie. So, um. Talk about a man with a with a, a, a pretty interesting start to his career. Played Australian under nineteens as well. So yeah, there's some yeah. There, maybe we need to uh, have a little bit of a Lawrence Neal Smith watch and just just be tracking him because he might be one to watch. He might be one that um, Elliot from New Zealand is interested in for very good reason. Which sort of brings up another topic, doesn't it, Matt? You can have um, you know famous hyphenated names, you know, in cricket mm. sport, you know. David Reese jones comes to mind, the Carlton footballer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, and this is probably just a question without notice, but I'm, it's interesting to have a look at some um, hyphenated names who may have played first-class cricket. Oh, that's a good question. That's one for I'm sure our list, loyal listeners will get on board with that through the social. So well, yeah, just jump, Yeah, let's let's jump on the socials, folks. We'll make that our little uh, engagement piece, uh, and and just just pop the names in. We'll start up a little thread, and we'll get the um, the replay of fact or fiction. I'll, I'll get that straight up on YouTube. Can I just mention yep. too, Robbie, uh, the Cricket Library YouTube channel? We. Um, uh, we had the good fortune of uh, getting a bit of traction with with the little discussion around being hit wicket and eating green tea ice cream. 
Just like yeah. to read, I just like to read some of these comments on on the YouTube video here. Uh, this one, this one says, "Unknown knowledge has been gathered from this video." I'm liking that. That's unknown uh, knowledge. I love it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, then there was another couple of ones here. Um. Uh, uh, here we go. Here we go. I think green tea is pretty common nowadays. Hit wicket. That is a rare thing. But also love this content. That's nice. I like that. That's that's good. Uh, <laughs> here's another one. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I like this comment. This is a couple of days ago. Getting out hit wicket is most rare. Uh, it is most rare than drinking a cup of green tea with breakfast. Cups of yeah. green tea is for diet people. So I think I'm a diet person, Robbie. You don't need a diet, Matt. I don't need a diet. I don't. Uh, Oh, and here, here someone said, best content, discussing cricket and food tips. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) How good is that? Yeah, so so there's plenty plenty of great comments there. So um, the YouTube channel, the Cricket Library Podcast YouTube channel, just do a search for Cricket Library Podcast. Hey, imagine if we found a cricketer who – green tea drinking cricketer with a hyphenated name who got our hit wicket. Oh, imagine that. Wouldn't that be that good? That would just about do me. <laughs> That'd totally do me, Robbie. I, I'd, I'd... I think I'd, I'd call stumps on a career. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think this would be my last episode of the Cricket Library Weekly. Uh, well, Robbie, we're out of time. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. Thanks for being the first guest on Fact or Fiction. Thanks for the great, yeah. great discussion uh, this evening on the program. Stay in touch with us on the socials. Stay in touch with the mailbag, 101R, Bungle, Gumby Road, Borough, Bedeen, New South Wales, 2830. Uh, that's in Australia as well if you're listening from overseas. Have yourselves a great week and we will be back to do it all again. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now. <laughs>